guys doing okay? Good, everyone's good. Man, nine o'clock, they were, they were tired. You could tell uh, that a lot of people celebrated last night. They were, they were tired, so glad you guys are here. We are getting close, um, very, very close to wrapping up the book of Romans. Got a couple of chapters left. We're gonna split up chapter 15 today. If you have not been here, um, here's a really easy way to kind of summarize the book of Romans. So it was a letter written from a guy named Paul to a church in Rome, which was extremely diverse, right? A lot of Jewish people that had converted to Christianity, and then, of course, a lot of non-Jewish people from virtually all over the world, a lot of Greeks and Romans, and all blended together from different areas, different colors, different backgrounds, very, very, very diverse. And the first 11 chapters or so of this book, it's 16 chapters, the first 11 chapters are basically defining what it means to be a Christian, This is what God has done for us. This is how the whole world was kind of grafted into this process, not just the Jewish people, but all people are grafted into this process. And it gives us basically good theology and what we call doctrine, right, how we believe. And so that's what the first 11 chapters are. Now, where we're at now is Paul is wrapping up this letter, and as we've seen for the last couple of weeks, is what Paul is doing now is he has prepared a bunch of Christians, just like us, right? This was you know, 1950 years ago, but this is, this is us now. It's still preparing us now. And then at the end of this letter, what Paul wants us to do is now go out into the world, right? A broken, messed up culture and society, go out into that and be what Jesus told us to be, the light. So the first 11 chapters, he's telling us who God is and who you are, right? As followers of God. And then in the last four chapters, or five chapters really, He's saying, this is how you now go out into the world and grow the kingdom of God. Pretty simple, straightforward stuff. What we were talking about last week in chapter 14 was that as Christians, there are times when we go out and we have to sacrifice privileges at times, not because we're not allowed to do them, but because there are times when we lay down the right to do things for the sake of other people. Uh, One of the biggest examples we used last week was, was drinking alcohol. I said last week that it is not a sin to drink alcohol. Nowhere in the Bible will you find it a sin to drink alcohol. It is a sin, of course, to get drunk, and it is also a sin to be a stumbling block for someone next to you. So though I have the right to drink a beer, right? If the person next to me just got over alcoholism, it is wrong for me to put them in a position to be tempted to drink. And so we lay down privileges sometimes for the sake of other people, right? That's what chapter 14 was about. Now, the first half of chapter 15, we're only gonna do 13 verses today, guys. I mean, it's gonna be pretty short. What we're gonna talk about in the first half of chapter 15 is this. It's the most cliche thing that you hear in church all the time. We're gonna talk about what our hearts, like the the, the state of our heart today. And not just the state of our heart. This is where it gets tricky and complicated. Do we care about the state of uh, of the heart of the person sitting next to us? Do we care about the heart of our neighbor? Do we care about the heart of the coworker? Not just where we are with God. That's good. We need to care about that. We also need to care about where other people are with God as well. We're going to talk about going out into this world, right, and telling people about Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is preparing believers to do. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today, okay? It's funny. I was at a wedding Friday. I did a wedding out in in Dixon, and um, they had wine at the wedding. It was a very formal wedding. It's been a long time since I've done a wedding where everyone wore like the black formal suits and, 
you know, nowadays I have to own a bunch of suits because everyone's like, oh, we're doing different shades of blue and different shades. And I'm like, okay, I got to buy another suit. Anyway, so um, I got to wear just a black suit. It was wonderful. Um, but they had wine at the wedding. And it was funny for everyone from our church, they'd, I'd see them with like a nice champagne glass or something like, you said last week it wasn't a sin. I'm like, okay, okay, got it. <laughs> if I see you with multiple glasses though, I'm coming after you. So anyways, no, it wasn't that bad. Okay, so I'm gonna pray. <laughs> Things you shouldn't talk about when you're a pastor in front of your church. Anyways, uh, I'm gonna pray and we'll jump into this and we'll go through it pretty quick and we'll have a little extra time to take communion at the end, okay? So let me pray and we'll dive into chapter 15. Father, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you so much for this church. Thank you, God, that we can joke and laugh and we can worship and then we can dig into the word and, and get serious, God. I pray, Lord, that you speak to us today, that you keep your hand on us. We pray that you keep your hand on, on all of our different campuses. Pray that you keep your hand on all the churches and all the counties that we're involved in. God, pray, Lord, that you keep your hand on FCA, a wonderful organization that's doing a lot of great stuff in high schools and middle schools. Lord, I pray that you bless them financially and bless them with uh, uh, support, God. And I pray, Lord, that everything we do today, that it honors you and um, that it brings us closer to you, God. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sixth book of the New Testament, we're in the 15th chapter. Again, we're only gonna do 13 verses, guys. We'll get through it quick today. Let me read the first uh, part right now, and then we'll go back and we'll break it down, okay? Paul says this. Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Let me pause there for a second. Um, it's troublesome. I hear a lot of Christians say that the Old Testament is irrelevant. There's no reason to, to, to read the Old Testament and study the Old Testament. Uh, one, you're gonna hate the next couple of months because we're gonna do an Old Testament book next. Two, there was no New Testament when Paul wrote this, this verse. When he says you find endurance and encouragement from the scriptures, there was no New Testament. He was referring to the Old Testament. He's gonna go on in the next part and quote the Old Testament. Every time Jesus quoted the scripture, it was the Old Testament. What that tells us is, it is important for believers to know why we have an Old Testament and to read the Old Testament. Very important, right? Everyone's cool with that, right? The whole Bible is there for a reason, not just the parts that we uh, think are relative to us right now in this moment. It is all there for a reason. I'll keep reading. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and with one voice. Okay, so let's get to it. So here's the thing. Those of you in the room that are mature believers, mature Christians, if you consider yourself a mature Christian, we have an obligation to help lift people up who may not be strong in their faith. Amen. Now, we're all very quick to say, I'm a mature Christian. Listen, going to church on the weekend does not make you a mature Christian. Making you a mature Christian is things like having a prayer life, that you talk to Jesus often. It is reading the Bible. It is impossible to be a mature believer unless reading the Bible is a part of your life. 
And then we are to have a life of servitude. This is how we become mature in our faith. And listen, if you are mature in your faith, and here, praise God, we're not just to tolerate people who have weaker faith. We are to get under that burden and help lift them up. We are a team. And because we're a team, think of it in baseball terms, right? It's not that the catcher is just concerned about himself and doesn't care about the pitcher. They work together. And if the pitcher's not on point, the catcher loses the game too. Therefore, we are all in this together. Now listen, this starts in the heart. If we are to not live selfish lives, but, but not just think about pleasing ourselves, but do what pleases our neighbor and builds our neighbor up, if we're going to accomplish that, first and foremost, our heart has to belong to Jesus. And I'll tell you why. If there's not a miraculous heart change from Jesus, we're just not going to care about others because we are naturally selfish, all of us. Absent of Jesus, we think about ourselves. This is the culture we live in. Let's talk about our culture. Let's talk about our society. We live in a society, you live in a society, your children live in a society where it is constantly about the individual. You get what you can get, you follow your dreams, you follow your hopes, you pursue your truth and your happiness. It is all based around the individual. Now, what have we seen as a result of a culture that just pursues self? We have seen suicide skyrocket. We have seen depression and anxiety skyrocket. We have seen divorce skyrocket. We have seen domestic abuse skyrocket. We have seen drug use and overdoses skyrocket, higher than they've ever been. So not only is the pursuit of self anti-Bible, the pursuit of self is not working. It is not working, but it is everything that is being forced on you every single day. And the Bible says, don't pursue you, pursue him. And then you will do what not only pleases God, you'll do what pleases your neighbor. It would be heaven on earth if we all tried to please each other, right? It would be fantastic. So how do we do this, guys? Because it's not easy. I'll get to that here in a second. So what Paul is referring to in this chapter is he's talking about how Christians treat each other, which I find ironic because we tend to do a terrible job of treating each other well, Christians. And it's interesting because first and foremost, the Bible says multiple times that we should be taking care of our spiritual family before we get to other people. This should be our first priority, right? It's taking care of each other. And so Paul is talking about how Christians treat each other, but it doesn't stay with just how we treat each other. This applies with how we treat other people as well, non-believers as well. So how do we do this? One, we need to start off by getting out of the habit of talking down to people, condescending people, and being constantly critical. Does anyone else get triggered when people talk down to you? Am I the only one? Listen, if you're new to the church, over time you're gonna find out just how flawed I am, okay? I'm gonna tell you. I'm very honest about it. I'm in my 40s now, which I know is not super old, but I'm getting a little crotchety, right? And so what I've noticed now is, as a 41-year-old, I'll walk into like a coffee shop or a restaurant and some 19-year-old will be like, what up, bro? What can I get you? And I'm like, well, one, I'm old enough to be your dad, so let's cut the bro crap, right? And, and let me teach you a three-letter word called sir. And use the, and, but that's me. That's because I have this problem, right? I get triggered by being someone amen that I had a problem. I heard that over there. <laughs> Anyway, so, but, but I don't know, if I get triggered by being talked down to, I wanna make sure I don't do that to you, right? I wanna make sure that I treat you like an, an educated adult. 
And so we need to be careful not to be so critical and so condescending. And instead, we need to learn to be empathetic and patient. Working on that one, but, but I'm, patience. Do you know how we become more empathetic people? Talk to people. It's interesting. Um, throughout the years, I've, I've ministered to a lot of people, and, and I have two daughters. I was raised by my mom. I only have one sibling, which is my sister. I, I have a soft spot for, for women. I just, I, I'm kind of hard on men, and I give a lot of grace to, to women. And, yeah. <laughs> and so throughout the years, I've had many women come through my office who have made many bad decisions, uh, specifically sexual decisions, been very promiscuous and They've developed a reputation because of, of bad choices, right? And people have called them names and I've heard other people refer to them in certain ways. And, and it's very easy to point fingers and call names until you get into a conversation and you find out that this, this young woman has had sex with a lot of men because she never had a dad in her life. You find out that she had sex with a lot of men because her uncle used to rape her repeatedly when she was a kid and she's just looking for affirmation. And that doesn't excuse what she's doing, but it helps you understand why people do what they do. And then we start to have empathy for them. And then we start to have grace for them and love for them develops up in us and we learn patience with them. See, we need to get out of the habit of just pointing out mistakes. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And we need to act more like Jesus and say, listen, there's something better for you than what you've been experiencing. Your homework for the week is you need to go back and I think it's John chapter six, read about Jesus and the woman at the well. One of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. Jesus sits down with a woman, which by the way, culturally was scandalous. He should have never sat down in public with a woman. He sat down with a woman in public. Not only was it scandalous that she was a woman, she was from the wrong part of town. She had the wrong background. She was known to be very, very promiscuous, right? Had been with a lot of men. And if you watch this interaction that Jesus has with her, she's getting water and he says, do you know I've got something better than that physical thing you've been depending on? I have something spiritual for you. I have living water. He doesn't talk down to her. He doesn't belittle her. He doesn't call her names. He says, I have something better for you because I love you. And it's interesting. Jesus says, or Paul says, referring to Jesus, that, that your insults have fallen on me. What that means is Jesus has, has set the perfect example for us. Jesus divested, which means he gave up his rights as God to come to earth. And Jesus himself said in Matthew, I didn't come for you to serve me. I came to serve you. Jesus stepped down and was eye level with humanity to be the perfect example for us. He took all of the, 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 not just the physical punishment of people, he took all the criticism and sarcasm and, and disrespect and these insults and he pushed through it because he loved us. So what do we learn from that? What we learn is Jesus didn't come to accumulate everything. Jesus came to distribute what his father gave him. This may be the thing I'm the most proud about with this lesson. As Christians, we are not called to just accumulate. Oh, it's about me getting my blessings. It's about my prosperity. It's about me, 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 me. That is the culture of a lost world. What we are to do as Christians are receive what God has for us and distribute those things out to bless people around us. That's what we're called to do. That is what Jesus modeled to us, to live open-handed with the things of God, that everything I have is because God has given it to me. Have some. 
And do you know what I've learned over the years when we live open-handed with the things of God? I can never outgive God. I can't do it. Listen, you guys should be proud of yourselves. You can't do it either. As much as this church gives away, we just keep getting blessed more. We keep upping the percentage. We give away a quarter of everything that comes in. And you guys just keep giving us more money to keep giving out to other people. And it's beautiful how that works. Because you can't outgive God. You can't do it. And that's the lesson we need to learn from him. And again, we learn this from the Bible. Paul says that by having a relationship with Jesus and through the encouragement of the scripture, we get endurance and encouragement. Why do we need this? Everyone needs to take note. Because people can suck really bad. (laughs) If you haven't experienced it yet, hang out with enough people and you'll agree. You'll amen this next time I write this. People can be terrible. That's why we need encouragement. That's why we need endurance. The Bible doesn't say that being a Christian is a walk in the park. It says it's like a marathon. You ever seen a marathon runner's face? They're miserable because they've been running for 20 miles. (laughs) We're not miserable, but what God is saying is it takes endurance. It takes encouragement, especially with other Christians because they should know better. Just move on. (laughs) What Paul is getting to, though, is this is a message of harmony. That the church, I'm not talking about you guys. Man, you guys are an exceptional church. I'm talking about the church. That we are to live in harmony because harmony amongst us honors God. The way that we have harmony is it goes back to what we've been talking about the last couple of months. We need to major on the majors, what's most important to God. We need to honor authority in our lives. We need to respect each other. And we need to live holy lives. And when we do that, there's peace between us. There's harmony between us, and that honors God. Now, here's the thing. Harmony is only possible when we live by the teachings of the Bible. The reason why there is so much discord in the United States church right now is because way too many churches do not teach this book. They do not live by the standards of this book. And so, therefore, the congregation does not either. We have whole splitting of denominations right now over things that are not biblical. And so all of this division, all of this chaos, it is because we have gravitated away from this. And the only way to live in harmony is to follow the teachings of this book. This is the instruction manual for how to live in harmony with other people and how to live in harmony with God, right? And we need to remember that, okay? Next part. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ accepted you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the Father and so that Gentiles, that's non-Jewish people, may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praise to your name. Again, It says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, and the Gentiles will hope in him. That's referring to Jesus. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's where we get serious. If you are in this room and you consider to, to, to be a Christian, or if you're watching online and you consider to be a Christian, we have a mission. The reason why we as Christians have to be grounded in the word of God and the reason why we have to have a strong relationship with God is because when you and I leave this building, we walk out into a dark environment. We walk out into a world that is, that is aggressive. It is very anti-Christ in its teachings and in its principles. You're walking out into a culture that is not teaching your children godlike characteristics. It is not promoting healthy marriage. It, it is promoting division and chaos and disorder and aggression and strife. That's what we are walking into. So the reason we have to be tethered to this book, the reason why we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus is there is a lot of darkness out there. Now here's what Paul reminds us of. We were once dark. We were once people that had a lot of evil in us. But because, I hope everyone in this room, because we have humbled ourselves and admitted that we needed Jesus, Jesus accepts us into his family, right? Now what we are to do as the church, as you and I are to go out there and basically the church is a matchmaker between the lost and Jesus Christ. And we are to connect these two so other people can find liberation and hope and salvation and they can come out of the darkness, as Paul says, into the marvelous light that you and I have experienced, or I hope you've experienced. It is our job to go out and to connect the two. That is our mission. Now, this has been something that has been talked about all throughout the Old Testament. It's interesting. You and I, unless you're Jewish in this room, I made the mistake last night of saying, we're probably, there's probably no Jewish people in the room. And I got an email from a lady who says, I'm Jewish. It's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Anyways, I'm gonna assume that most of you do not have a Jewish background. And so the majority of you that are not Jewish, we were not always included into the family of God. We were the lost. But Paul quotes all these Old Testament scriptures saying that God always had a plan for all people to be welcomed into the family of God. What that means is that the lost are not an afterthought to God. And the lost should not be an afterthought to the church. So reading in the Old Testament that God had a plan for us when we were lost, we should have a plan for those who are lost in our communities. Let me tell you something that I love about the Bible Belt. I say love facetiously. We are so cocky about how many Christians walk around. I'm in Middle Tennessee, I'm in the Bible Belt. In 2017, the US government did a study of how many people go to church. Rutherford County was a part of that study because every county in the United States was a part of that study. In 2017, that's before COVID when everyone backslid. In two, sorry, in 2017, my, 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 my bad, I'm sorry. In 2017, 32% of Rutherford County went to any kind of house of worship, 32%. Let's assume that all people in that 32% are fully devoted followers of Jesus, which they're not, but let's assume they are. You, 32%, we brag about being in the Bible Belt and how much we're knocking it out of the park because we've got a bunch of big buildings around this town that we call churches. We think that we're doing something so great. Now, if you get a 32 on a test at MTSU, see what that gets you. Everyone awake? 
I mean, I know like we were shooting off fireworks last night, but my God. So we brag about how much we're killing it and 68% of our community is not even tethered to a church. That's bad. The state that has the most church attendance in the United States, last time I checked, was Mississippi, and it's only at like 45%. And we bury our heads in the sand and say, we're one nation under God. Bull, we are not. The God that we're under is the God of our own self. It is not under Jesus Christ, and the numbers prove it. But so many people don't want to address that. They don't want to be uncomfortable, and my God, I don't want to go out there and be unpopular. So we keep selling ourselves this lie, but the numbers don't lie. The numbers say that we are losing in the United States. No, we're not, Corey, it's the kingdom of God, we can't lose. We're not gonna lose ultimately, but we're losing in this country right now. We are absolutely losing. So we need to make it a point because we are the ambassadors for Jesus Christ right now in this county. And we need to make it a point to make sure that that non-believers are not an afterthought. Now listen, it is impossible though to accomplish that when Christians act selfish and divided. Now brothers, sisters, this is not you guys. I love you guys. You are a wonderful, exceptional church. But many Christians have become self-centered. And because it's all about us, because it's not about hearing the gospel and going out and spreading it, we walk into church and we're like... I don't like the temperature in here. I like 72 degrees in my sanctuaries. It's 71. But that's how we've gotten in church. Guy's not wearing shoes. There's not a full band this week. Thinking that it's all about us. Thinking that it's all about us. No wonder we're so broken. No wonder we're so divided. And there's no way for us to go out and win people to Christ when we don't model Christ in how we live. We have bought into the same culture that says it's all about self-consumption, right? So we have to get in back into the word of God. And when we get back into the word of God, we will see that treating all humans with respect and grace and truth and love, that is the mission of the church. Every single person you come in contact with, that we're to treat them with respect, grace, truth, and love. Now listen, hey, thank you. So the only way, the only way we can even begin to pull that off is we have to be absolutely full of the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says overflowing with hope. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I I told you, I'm, I'm honest. You'll know my flaws. I'm a pessimistic person. I'm the guy on the brightest, sunniest day. I'm like, see that cloud way over there? That's me. That's me. I struggle with that. And so the idea of overflowing with hope, that is a supernatural thing for me because that's not naturally how I'm bent. But true peace and joy come from having a relationship with Jesus. And when we have a relationship with Jesus, listen, Christians are called to be the the peacemakers. We are called to be the gentle ones. We are called to be the ones that bring harmony to chaos. That's what we are called to do. We are called to be the beacons of light. What did Jesus say? You are the salt of the earth. And if the, if the world loses the salt, what will it taste like, Jesus said. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Because Jesus is in us. We're the ones carrying him. We are the ones overflowing with hope. But Paul makes it clear the only way that's possible is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be praying for God to fill us with his spirit every single day. So let's talk about a couple of things. Let's first, let's talk about this. 
we have to periodically, I would say frequently, maybe periodically is a poor word, I think frequently, we need to evaluate the state of our heart, okay? I'm gonna give you a couple of tools to, to do that. The first one is this. Now listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but when you come to church or when you go to a church, are you looking for someone to affirm what you already think and believe or are you going to objectively find the truth? Think about that statement for a second. When you move to a new town, well, I'm looking for a church that believes this, 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 and this. Find a church that teaches the Bible and get on board with that. Amen. It's like walking into a college classroom and being like, hey, professor, I know that you have a PhD in English, but do you think all these things that I think, are these your favorite books? If not, I'm gonna find another class, right? You're not a student at that point. You've become an arrogant facade of a teacher at that point. I wasn't gonna say any bad words. There's nothing. That was you guys. That was you guys. <laughs> We're gonna take communion here in a second. You can repent for those thoughts. It's cool. No. Let me ask you this. Do you desire the things of God? What I mean is greater than things that we accumulate, greater than our attention and our fame and our fortune or whatever the case may be, do we desire to live in harmony with, with, each, with each other? Do we have a desire to bless people around us? Do we have a desire to do the things and live out the principles that God has for us? Now listen, when we get into the Bible and we start to read things that are not only countercultural, but a lot of these things are uncomfortable, what will we do when we come across passages in the Bible that are uncomfortable and they're unpopular? How will we respond to that? We need to check our heart on that. The next thing we need to do, because today we're talking about talking to people that don't know Jesus. Listen, this is important. If we love God, we have to love people. Those two cannot be separated. They go together. And when we love people, loving people should always eventually lead to the gospel. Just like the song that Austin and Kyle sang today. If we know what sets us free, if we truly love people, I'm not saying the first time you talk to them, you have to read from John 3 or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But over time, somewhere in that relationship, we have to present what we have because we know that it liberates us. If we really love people, we want to give them the truth. In order to do that, listen, we have to create an environment where anyone can come into this place and hear the truth. I, 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 we say that, and this church does a good job with it, but I hope you guys understand. If you come to this church for any length of time, you're gonna see a multiplicity of different kinds of people come into this place, and they're all welcome. They're all welcome. Doesn't matter what mistakes they've made, doesn't matter what mistakes they're making, doesn't matter how bad their past is, things they've done, we have to create an environment to where anyone can come in these doors and hear the truth. The reason why is because all of us have also sinned and fallen short, and there had to be an environment for us to come in and hear the truth. Now listen, that's not just for the church. You need to create an environment around you where anyone can come to you and talk to you about whatever is on their mind. That means not just a church culture, you need to create a you culture, a personal culture, to where anyone in your office can go to you and say, hey, Man, I'm struggling, with, I'm struggling with porn addiction. Man, I'm struggling. I've just cheated on my husband. I've just done this. I've just done, where they can come and talk to you because you're a safe, healthy person to talk to. So it's not just the church, us as individuals. Now listen, 
That does not mean that we condone sin. We can be a place where these doors are open to anyone. That doesn't mean we relent on the Bible. We still think sin is bad. But what we do not bring is we do not condemn people. Because Jesus said, I don't come to bring condemnation, but to liberate you from condemnation. That was, and the church should have the exact same attitude. Anyone that wants to walk through these doors and sit and listen to the truth, they are welcome to do so. Doesn't mean I will agree with you on what you're doing, but it is, it is you are here to hear the truth and we've gotta have an environment where people can hear it. We also need to get dirty in other people's lives. What that means is people are messy. People are complicated. And if we're not just going to uh, be a place that welcomes in the drug addict, we better get underneath that problem and help them carry that. We better be willing to take phone calls sometimes at two o'clock in the morning or be in uncomfortable situations. One day I'll write a book on uncomfortable situations I've been in in the last 12 years being in motel rooms where 15 people are passed out from meth and walking over people to get to that one in the back that comes to our church so I can take him to the hospital. All kinds of situations that I don't always wanna be in. But if we're in the business of people, people are messy. Amen. And we have to be willing to get messy. Amen. But Corey, it's uncomfortable. So is being nailed to a hunk of wood for nine hours for your sin. That is also uncomfortable, but Jesus did it for us. All right. Why is all this important, guys? Listen, it's important because every single person you look at today, every single person you look at, if you look at yourself in the mirror, if you look at your children, you look at your spouse, you look at your neighbor, you look at the people in this room, you go out to eat and you look at people there, Every single person you see will spend their eternity in one of two places, with Jesus or eternally separated from Jesus. Listen, I don't wanna get in a theological argument. I'm not sure that hell is literally fire and brimstone forever, but it doesn't matter. I know that hell is a permanent separation from God and whatever it looks like, it's gonna be awful beyond comprehension and you don't want anyone to go there. Think about a person in your life that you've never been more mad at, that has treated you terribly, that has hurt you. I don't care how bad they are. We do not want, or we should not want, anyone to go to hell. Why? Because the Bible even says that it is the will of God that none perish, and that should be the desire of the church, that no one go to hell. Amen. No matter how bad their mistakes have been. Why are we yelling and screaming about this today? Why? Are we talking about the lost? Why do we study the word of God and why are we not afraid of the world that's out there? We are, we are doing all these things because eternity is in the balance. Eternity is in the balance. So where is our heart? If you're having a hard time determining where your heart is, I'm just gonna ask you, where is your time, money, and energy? That'll tell you exactly where your heart is. I'll tell you exactly where it is. Jesus said, wherever a man's treasure is, his heart will be there too. Now listen, this doesn't mean you write your whole paycheck over to the church or hang out here 24-7. We don't wanna see any of you that often. But, but like, that sounds mean, but you, know, you need to be at home. I need to be at home. Anyway, so what this means is, is where is your priorities? Where's your priorities? That'll tell you where your heart is. 
let me ask you, and, and I mean this with all seriousness, are you personally building a relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking about other people right now, I'm talking about you. Are you praying? Are you reading the word of God? Listen, I hate to be a downer. I told you I'm a little pessimistic, but this is biblical. When you go out into this world, I hate to break it to you, the United States, the society we live in is never going to get better. How dare you, Corey? I dare because I've read the book of Revelation. It's called the apocalyptic theory. Things get bad, 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 bad. And then Jesus comes back and takes us out of this ugly world. If you're waiting for society to become this holy, righteous thing, I would not hold your breath. What that means is this. I think the gospel is going to increase and the church is going to increase in the middle of all this garbage. But if we are going to go out and be the light that we need to be, you and Jesus better be real close. Let me tell you what. If you want your kids to make it in this world, you better make sure they're real close to Jesus too. If you want your marriage to work, you better make sure that your marriage is real close to Jesus because that world is against you. All hell is against you and it is ramping up. It is escalating. You need to be praying. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be coming to church. You need to be serving your community. So are we doing that? And when we pray, I'm not trying to sound like a charismatic weirdo to you guys, but every time you pray, you should say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. God cannot fill us with his Holy Spirit if there's already God's living in our heart. Can I tell you a story real quick? It's 11 o'clock. We got all day, right? You guys got nothing to do tonight. It's 4th of July. Real quick. There's a story in the Old Testament. The Philistines and the Jews, they didn't like each other. They fought a lot. So one time the Philistines and the Jews got in a fight and the Philistines won this one fight. And what they did is they stole the Ark of the Covenant Right? It was this gold box, not very big, about this big. It had these handles on the side, and the Spirit of God was in this, I'm not saying it was in a box, but it, this box symbolized the Spirit of God, right? And the glory of God hovered over this box. So the Philistines take this box, and they have a temple to their fish god, Dagon. It was about the size of this room. The fish god, Dagon, was about 30 foot tall. Top half was a fish, bottom half was a man, which made sense because you couldn't walk around if the bottom half was a fish. And so... They had their big fish god, Dagon, in this temple. And the Philistines took and they put the Ark of the Covenant that represented our God in the same room and they shut the door and they went to bed, right? The Bible says the next day they walked in and this 30-foot statue of Dagon, here's a little box, the Ark, had fallen down and was pointed at the Ark. They walked in, they're like, that's weird. So they get Dagon up. I find it ironic that they had to help their God up. They helped him up put him back on a stand. You're good. Okay. So they went back and the next day they came back in and Dagon had not only fallen over again, his head and his hands had been severed. So the Philistines at that point said, we got to get that ark out of here. And the moral of the story is this, the true God of the universe will not share and occupy the same space as another God. He will not do it. So here's the thing. If we are going to be full of the Holy Spirit, we need to remove the other things out of us. We need to repent for our sin. We need to make sure that God is first and then he can occupy and overflow. And once he's done that, we have to start building bridges out there with even the most uncomfortable people. But Corey, they've done all this stuff. It's uncomfortable. What will people think of me? 
Just think of Jesus sitting by a woman that was promiscuous out in public, telling her how much he loved her and how much he valued her. It even says, if you go back and read that story tonight, I'm kind of ruining it. It says the disciples walked up and they're like, (gasps) but it says they dare not say anything. But even they were like, why is Jesus talking to that woman? Who cares? Who cares what people think? If you love God, build a bridge with those that are marginalized, talk to them. But here's the key. We have to speak the truth. We have to live the truth but we also have to encapsulate that with love. Do you know what I've learned in the last four or five years? We're really good at saying the right thing, but if we say it the wrong way, people don't care. If you say the right thing with aggression and anger, I would rather be wrong than be on your side. That's what has happened to Christianity. Well, here's the truth. Well, if you do not blend that with love, people don't care about your truth. That's why the Bible says, We do the truth, but we do it with love. We do it with care. We do it with tenderness. We do it with empathy and grace. And when we present the truth with love, people are a lot more susceptible to that truth. They want to receive that truth. Because if they know you love them, they can hear that hard truth. They can do that, okay? You and I have a mission to be the light in the middle of darkness. And the Bible says that the darkness can never overcome the light. It's not because you and I are good. It's because a perfect God dwells inside of us and calls us to go out and touch people's hearts. That's your job. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Hey, listen, if you are in this room I know this was kind of a message catered towards believers, but if you're not a believer in here, if you're not a Christian, up here on my right, your left, Pastor Muhammad is up here. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Pastor Muhammad, he'd love to talk with you. He wasn't always a Christian. You can ask him his story a little bit and talk with him a little bit if you'd like. We have men and women on both sides of the stage. If you have any kind of prayer requests or anything that you need prayer for, friends, family, anything like that, come up, anything you need prayer for, let someone pray with you. And then the last thing is, is we have communion all the way around this room. Wherever you see a lamp on a table, there's the body and blood of Jesus, the bread and the wine. Everyone is welcome to take that. We're gonna ask you today, if you don't mind getting that, going back to your seat, we're gonna have one of our pastors just lead you in communion today, if that's okay, right? I wanna encourage you to take that. Let me pray for you, though, before you leave. Father God, we love you. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you, God. I pray, Lord, for protection over everyone in this room, God. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep them close to you. Father, I wanna pray that that this week that you would put someone in everyone in this room's path, someone that they can have a conversation with, someone that they can show love, someone that they can speak truth, someone that they can get underneath those burdens and help carry that. God, I pray for everyone in this room that can hear me. I pray that someone comes along in the next week or two that they can show your love to, God, and that they can be a a beacon of light to. God, protect us. Keep us safe, Lord. Keep us close to you. We love you. We thank you. And we pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys very much. You guys be safe tonight. Have a good weekend.